0: welcome to the brotherhood of fatherhood podcast today josh and i get to chat with our great friend brian bender brian is a personal coach he helps people with their health and fitness goals and he's amazing at it he is married to katie who is a firefighter and recently brian has had twins and so we get to talk a lot about what it's like having twins when you've had no kids before and handling the perils of uh, taking on two kids at once. This is a really great conversation with some really fun stories and amazing stories of overcoming a lot of obstacles, becoming a new father. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thanks for
1: having me on, guys. What
0: are you drinking? Was that Yerba Mate? It
1: was espresso.
0: Ooh, nice. You guys can't see it, but he has a very cute espresso cup. And uh, uh, honestly, Bender, I call Brian Bender, just so y'all know. Um, We talk probably once a week, and I would say that every time I see you on Zoom, you are holding an espresso cup.
1: (laughs) You know, I've cut down quite a bit, so I'm down to to two to three espressos per day. So you must just be catching me at the right time.
0: I am. What I really like about it is that you stick your pinky out when you do it.
1: You have to. And (laughs) I don't know if you guys ever see me squat, I'll stick my pinkies out when I squat too. I'm dainty. (laughs) I think you're
0: anything but dainty, honestly. I think uh, (laughs) you're a really strong dude. And I know that you do like ice baths and all sorts of really cool stuff. So I would not call that dainty. And the thing is, is if someone calls you dainty, you probably could kick their ass. So it's pretty cool, right?
1: Or I just think it's funny because maybe it's true. Maybe I have a dainty side. That sounds more like it.
0: (laughs) Right on, right on. So uh, Brian, I want to kind of jump right in. You're, you're a dad recently, so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, almost uh, 16 months. Actually, next week will be 16 months. Um, my wife and I had twins, and they're, they're fraternal, they're boy-girl. So we kind of hit the jackpot, so to speak, so we don't have to keep trying to get the other gender. We got them, we went from zero to two in one shot.
0: So uh, were you expecting twins? Like, this is always the thing. Sometimes like, oh yeah, we knew we were going to have twins. It's in the family or we were doing, you know, some medications. You don't have to divulge that, but were you expecting twins?
1: No. So to my knowledge, which Katie says is true, she was not on medication. And I. that's the first question I asked when the doctor said, hey, were you on Clomid or something like that? And Katie was like, no. And, and then the doctor leaves the room and I'm like, were you taking something? How is this possible? And actually even in the ultrasound room when we found out, like, you know, I, I like to joke around a lot. So I'm joking around the entire time. And the ultrasound tech is like, oh, you got twins. And I was like, ha, good one. And then she was like, no, no, uh, sir, you're having twins. And I was like, no, I, I still don't buy it. She's like, no, you see that thing? And then I was like, <laughs> so... That was crazy.
0: Yeah, so walk us through those emotions because that that's really kind of what I was going to ask is like, you're not prepared, obviously, and you get this news in the office with the doctor there, like,
1: wow. I'll go, if, if it's okay, I'll go a little a little deeper. Um, we had tried uh, previously to get pregnant the, the previous year and it ended up being a miscarriage, which I'm finding out now is super common, but it's still super sad because yeah. of all the things, all the emotions you have to go through. So- When we got pregnant again, it was initially like we're super excited. But during, before uh, Katie miscarried, uh, one of the ultrasounds was super early. She was like, I think it might be twins. And it was was too early to tell or whatever. And Katie actually cried. And I was like, well, that's awesome because then now we can be done. So we kind of went through all that. And then miscarried, had to go through the whole miscarriage thing, which was terrible, but then got pregnant again and it was twins. And I was like, yeah, Yeah. we're done. (laughs) (laughs) So it, uh, yeah, it it all worked out. And no, it's not in the family at all. So it's a total, it's a total freak thing.
2: That was the question I was going to ask next. If, if, The first time it was a possibility, and then it happened the second time. So,
1: yeah, we were just destined for twins, I guess. But the miscarriage wasn't actually twins. It was just, it looked like twins. So then the whole car ride home was like the scary discussion, which I was being positive about, even though I was scared to death. But I was in the back of my head, I was like, I would rather be really, really, really hard right now instead of like dragging this out time after time. You know, know, I have uh, friends that have four kids and five kids. And so they were doing diapers for like 12 years. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't really want to do diapers anymore at all. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. The, um, the miscarriage thing, we went through that as well. And um, that wreaks havoc. I mean, it's not a small thing, especially on women. I think my wife still thinks about that quite frequently. So, yeah, uh, that, that is tough. But uh, it's kind of cool that you were excited about having twins and the thought of, you know, getting it, it's kind of front-loaded. I love the, the front-loaded type of work. Like you do a lot now and then you reap the rewards later. So um, it, yeah, so bringing them home, like scary or exciting?
1: Yeah, it was our, our story. I don't know how deep you guys want to go, but we were a complete mess. So Jackson was born with bilateral club feet. So we were super scared about that uh, because we knew that for at least the first four weeks we would have to take him back to ortho to get him casted to put his feet uh the way they're supposed to be and then after the casting every single night he's in boots and bars literally until he's five years old now his case was actually it was good because he didn't actually have to get a tenonomy which is most cases do which is you have to cut the tendon and set it straight so anyway mila had to go to the NICU and she was on oxygen. She like her temperature dove so low after she came home that we had to bring her back and she she almost died. They're doing they're puncturing her spine and they're it's crazy watching them do that to a baby. But anyway, Mila's on oxygen and Jackson's in double casts all the way up to his hips. It was a mess. Uh, yeah. So like if you walked into our house for those first few months, it was just like how do you guys do that? It was it was insane. So. We're carrying around Mila's oxygen. Jackson's look, looks like he was in a car accident or something and uh yeah, so it was crazy. But it was, was very scary coming home.
0: He was in casts up to his hips right out of the hospital like
1: No, he, we got him home from the hospital and then 3 days later it was his appointment and we went went into yeah. ortho. Wow.
2: Wow. That's uh okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, I, so, you know, when Sully was born, you know, I've only got uh, one kid. He's six now. When Sully was born, I was um, afraid. I had no idea what I was doing. I, you know, and uh, it it seemed like, man, like this overwhelming thing. So, but to have two and to deal with all of that, oh my God, like, how did you guys deal with that how did you make it through
1: i i don't know luckily i've blocked out this memory because i didn't i wasn't really sleeping i think the real answer is that katie is a rock star Mm. like i if if it was me i don't know if i could have done it like she was the real champion there and it was i was the assist and it was like whatever she asked me to do i would just do and it was mostly you know and she was she was breastfeeding the whole the whole way she was actually able at one point to latch them both which i was like that's that's really advanced (laughs) that's cool uh but then eventually uh mila didn't didn't really like to latch so she moved to a bottle but uh Mm -hmm. but no she it was just me making food and stuff like that. But Katie was really the the champion there. It was like, I, mm. I just was doing as I was told. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah, it sounds so perfect. You know, like if you've got to get into that role, I think a lot of people would, uh, you know, would struggle, you know, to, to fill that role, but for you to jump right into it and just do everything that you can. And, and I'm kind of telling on myself again, we had one and there were so many times where like I was Kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. We try not to cuss too much on this podcast, but, but I was, you know, and, uh, um, yeah. I just kudos. Hats off to you, man, for, for stepping up and doing everything that you could for, uh, in that situation.
0: Yeah. I think with that, you kind of just become humble. Like the best, the best action is become humble and just do as you're told. Um, and, and also probably the person that gets up late in the night if it's possible. Right. Obviously, you don't, um, couldn't breastfeed them so that kind of negates some of those times but uh, did you sleep at all like the first I couple? actually
1: felt I actually felt super guilty about this because Katie almost hundred percent of the time refused to not wake up with them to breastfeed mm-hmm. and I had to beg her to just get some sleep and she she she's kind of She's like, I am cause she's bullheaded because when, when she gets it in her head that she's going to do something, she's going to do it. So it actually, it took weeks for her to hit a breaking point. And then finally she's like, I have to sleep. And I'm like, okay, I got this. <laughs> um, but, but no, she, she, at one point was like, it's actually ridiculous for you to even do this, like go sleep in the other room. And I was like, okay, whatever, let's do it. So it's it, some people, you know, look down their nose at me for, for that, but I'm, uh, at the same time, I'm still running my gym. I'm still doing uh, sales calls for level method. I'm doing all kinds of things during the day. And I'm, that's when I was up to about 10 espressos a day. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but she, she will, at this particular moment, she wasn't working. She's like, this is my job right now. So you, you get some sleep. And I'll do this, and uh, and then it kind of it kind of flipped when she went back to work. So yeah,
0: I, I do want to jump into the her going back to work thing. Um, but but one of the questions that came up, or that was going through my mind, and you kind of brought it up, was um, how did you maintain? I, I know because I know you. You you are kind of a, a you have systems in place, you know, around your nutrition, around your fitness, uh, around your um, work. You know, you do you wear a lot of hats, and you added two really important roles, uh, dad and husband, like at a higher level, like immediately, right? So how was the, ba- was the, balance is, is a misnomer, but did you, were you able to maintain your systems?
1: How have those changed? So I'm not gonna be one of these guys that says I was able to do it all and do it well, because I don't actually believe in that. Um, Cause I think when, when something takes over, something else has kind of got to give. And me being a fitness professional, the first thing to go was, was my health and fitness. Mm. And it, you know, I, I did gain weight. I was trying to do workouts and stuff like that. But when you're so tired and just run down, it's like, it's like the first thing to go. Um, I did create my schedule so that I, I was at home constantly. Right. So I created my schedule so that everything that I was dealing with, with all my hats in at work, that was getting handled uh, as best to my ability from my house. But I, I didn't go to my gym basically during this time at all. I was doing everything from the house so that I could go back and forth from this room. It was a little bit different. I had, I remodeled it, but from this room I could go back and forth between my meetings and my calls and stuff like that. So yes, the, my systems were good for, for everything professional and it, it, my, my personal health was the thing that, that really took a hit. Yeah. I stepped up as a husband and a father and I, and I actually did step it up in a different way professionally, but my, my health and fitness and hobbies all went out the window.
0: Yeah. I think hobbies are an easy, like that's, that's just kind of a selfish, you know, it's selfish. Sometimes it's what fuels us and helps us recuperate. But it, I think it's probably the first thing that should go as a fitness coach. I mean, you, you coach people and I don't know if that's what you call yourself a fitness coach, you're a fitness professional. Um, As you're working with individuals and they go through really heavy duty life things and you notice that they start to suffer in those areas. (laughs) Having gone through it, have you changed your viewpoint of how to handle that? Or, you know, on the, on the other side, have you developed some, some things to help
1: people through that? So I always lead when I'm coaching people, I always lead with empathy and, sometimes I don't really know what they're going through. So I have to imagine what it would be like if I did. So for example, I have a client who, this is pre-COVID, he travels every single day and during the week, he's going to be maybe in three or four different locations. And I've never actually gone through that. I've had periods of my life where I travel a lot, but I've never been this constantly traveling business person. So I have to kind of Put myself in his shoes to imagine what it would be like but it's really just asking questions and trying to to understand better but on this thing now yes firsthand i know exactly what it's like so that i can i can kind of get ahead of it a little bit but i also have learned never to assume anything um i've been doing this long enough to know that like even if i've been down a certain road, somebody else might be experiencing something differently than I did. So I still have to ask the same questions. So for example, somebody else may not have a, a wife that was as much of a rock star as mine, and they may take even more of a hit or, or something else. So I, I still have to ask the questions and not assume, even though I've been down the road, I've, I've learned that the hard way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's awesome that, that, having gone through, but also the perspective of not everybody's experience is the same. Even though the the circumstances may be very similar, the experience will be completely different. Um, so you keep saying your wife is a rock star. You know, you, you mentioned that she got up in the night and, and really kind of carried that load. What other things did you, um, h- how did you guys kind of split those roles? and Or did you intentionally split roles? Did it just come natural?
1: It It pretty much came natural because if she's breastfeeding. I'm, I'm making dinner and I'm responsible for the food and everything else. And there would be times where I was literally feeding her. So, um, making soup didn't really work. Right. So (laughs) it had to be, yes. Yeah. It had to be easy finger foods, sandwiches, quesadillas, stuff like that. And and she's breastfeeding too. So she's, she's not going to worry about her nutrition. It's just going to be caloric intake and whatever she wants, she gets, but then I have to make it in a way that I can literally feed it to her.
0: (laughs) She was literally double fisting, double (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) loaded. I I just think of feeding food soup to my wife and I'm like, that would just never be a good thing. (laughs) No. No, Yeah. So now let's fast forward. You're 16 months in. Like, okay, we we hear all these things about twins having their own, like, language, and their very high interaction with each other. Is that kind of ringing true for you guys, and what level of activity are they involved in right now?
1: They are insane, first of all. So, they're running around everywhere. They're into everything. They're figuring stuff out. Uh, Jackson most recently likes to jump off of everything. Like literally he'll get himself onto the couch, he'll put his arms up and he'll just jump off. So I'm like, great, he's just like his dad, he likes to jump off of stuff, cool. Mila is, seems to be the smart one, but I think it's because she's a girl. I think girls are a little bit more advanced than boys. Um, they They aren't, they know what some stuff is, but they're not like saying words yet. And we've been told that language can be delayed with twins but I don't I think they're still kind of on track, but they a hundred percent can communicate with each other and it's weird. So <laughs> it's gonna get even weirder as they develop it more. But uh yeah, it's uh when Katie's at work, I just think they're plotting against me. I think they've already won.
0: I'm so. pretty sure they are. <laughs> <laughs> so what does Katie do? I mean, we know you're a fitness professional, work with people, help them in their lives. What does Katie do?
1: She's a firefighter.
0: Dang. And you're in Colorado, correct? correct okay so um, usually firefighters and I actually don't know her schedule but usually firefighters they have a kind of on off they're on for you know usually a long string of hours and then they're off for a longer string of hours what's her schedule like
1: she goes 48 on 96 off Um, some departments do 24s so they, it depends where you're at, but they all do it differently. Her department does 48-hour shifts and then 96 off. So two on, four off, two on, four off. Okay. So when did she start doing that? Actually, this is funny you ask because we saw the calendar and it was uh, one year ago today. She went back to work. months old? No, they were they four were months. Right. She was, four, she was off for four months and then she went back. Yeah.
0: Holy cow. Okay. So I'm going back to when my, my boys were babies, four months old. And my wife wanted to leave the house and um, left, you know, one with me. And I thought I was not going to make it. Like I'm like, this thing is pooping and eating and crying, and I have no clue. I- I'm just like trying to fathom doing two.
1: <laughs> so, how was that first shift? Uh, the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, I-, I don't. I don't think I did very well with it. It's, uh, I, I was texting her constantly and not all good things. Like I feel bad about the way that I handled it because she's actually more stressed leaving me because I'm like, what the, what am I doing? Right. right. And I'm the only person that I can really vent to or communicate to was her at 1am. Cause I knew she was up, <laughs> but I'm up too. But it was, uh, it was not good. Like, uh, it was, you know, I'm up constantly. I don't know what's, what's right or wrong necessarily. I'm only four months in, right. It was, it was extremely difficult and I'm not saying it's easy now, but it's a whole lot easier because they sleep through the night now. (laughs) So
0: at what age did you get them sleeping through the
2: night?
1: It was, it was around a year, but it was getting better before that. But now it's really consistent. Like it's some really odd thing that's happening if they don't sleep through the night now.
0: That's a game changer when they start to sleep through the night. Like, Oh, it's unbelievable. Anybody who ever asked my wife and I, like, what is is one of the things you did right? Um, And and holistically, it's that we knew that the front load work was going to pay off later. And so that went with sleeping as well. My wife had our our sons full sleeping, like, I think it's three or four months they were sleeping through the night. That's awesome. Super like methodical. She, she. I mean, I'm all on her, like, you know, like you're, I give her all the kudos for that, but like, that's a life changer. Mm -hmm. So that was, but the front loading thing, like with discipline, with habits, with behaviors, like take care of it now. It's horrible. It's a pain. But by the time they're at age X, you're never probably going to deal with that again. And it's proven true. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, sleep is a, (laughs) It's a it is a massive uh, benefit when you are dealing with little people. Um, yeah. So you you get you made it. You probably barely thought you were going to make it through that first forty eight hours. Yeah. So how long did it take you to kind of get the swing of things?
1: I, I don't know that I actually even now have the swing of things. <laughs> so right. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. Um, it as they slept through the night, it was easier, but not a hundred percent. It got difficult um, a few months ago before COVID Katie took a bunch of overtime. So we're talking either 72 hours straight or just another day on top of it. And, uh, it was just because it's available and it's, it's like, it's good money. So she's like, I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. So that, that got really tough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still don't think by any means that I haven't like figured out or anything it's we, I know this is like a debatable topic, but with twins, we did do the schedule thing with naps and bedtime and all this, and it it made our life a lot easier. And now it is like clockwork. So I know I can do, (laughs) I I can do certain things. Like I work out during nap time and stuff like that when she's, when she's at work and, uh, and, and now they're old enough. They actually go to daycare one day a week and it's a, it's a client of mine and she has an in-home daycare and that's huge. It's uh it's, it's kind of a far drive, but it doesn't matter because it's, you know, It's a trusted person. So, what do you do that day? I just work. It's, (laughs) uh, it's, I, I get more done that day than any other day of the week because nobody's home and I just produce. So, it's, uh, when I'm, when I'm making content or, or, things that I have to be proactive or creative with, I choose to do it that day because nobody's home and I can get so much done. It's ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle. They're like, I just don't have enough time to do things that I need to do, but they don't spend the time that they have as focused when you get to focus. Right. And I think the setting plan, I I, want to preach on this all day long because for us, it was a game changer. Like, we knew when the kids were going to sleep. We knew when they were going to bed. We knew when they woke up. It was, they were very uh, trained. <laughs> I kinda hate to say that. It is a debatable thing. But, um, and I questioned my wife at first. I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, because you go through some stressful times with that. She's like, just trust the process, you know? Um, so it was, uh, it's, it's totally worth it. Um, did you have any tragedies? Not, not, not tragedies. Did you have any things that like you, you where you really just screwed it up? with the kids when you were alone?
1: Not like not like tragedies that I would say. I think the worst is that when I, when I was just so stressed out and I would text Katie, like everything that you can think of under the sun cause I'm just unloading. And I really shouldn't have done that and I learned it later. And I just, so now if, if I have a bad night, I don't say anything. But uh, the worst thing that happened was Mila fell down like five stairs and Ooh. I was like freaking out cause she kind of took a tumble. And now they jump off of stuff all the time. So I'm just like, okay, I can't believe that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened under my watch. Mm-hmm. And she was fine. She just like scared her a little bit. Um, but I couldn't catch her because of Jackson. But uh, it's uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But in retrospect, I thought that that was the end of the world. Yeah, um, right. The first time I tried to cut her nails, Katie was at work and I cut it too short, and she was bleeding everywhere, and I was like, do I have to take her to the hospital? This is crazy, and I'm, like, calling Katie. I'm like, she's bleeding. It won't stop, and she's, like, just put pressure on it." I've been putting pressure on it for, like, 30 minutes, <laughs> and it was, like, so, so even now, I'm, like, afraid to cut their nails, but it's easier because they're bigger now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I,
0: I, I think uh, I I'll really, I really like what you said about like, they're jumping off things. Now they're, they're active they're You know, they, you'll see them jumping off the couch, climbing up, whatever. I think um, we've been through this and I can only imagine with twins. It's like just crazy. Like where you, you're, you're protective. And then all of a sudden you're like, am I overprotective? Because I remember doing crazy stuff as a kid. Like that I would shudder seeing other kids doing. What is your thoughts on that as your kids get a little older and they are kind of it sounds like they're pretty rambunctious uh in a great way. They're active, they're jumping, they're moving.
1: I I want them to do that stuff because that's that's definitely how I was and if and if somebody tried to limit me, then I was going to rebel and it w- it made the whole thing worse and I went through a phase where I was kind of an adrenaline junkie and I'm like if he's going to go through that, let him do it. I'm not going to stop him because the more restraint I feel like I give him the stuff like that, probably the more he's going to do it. But yeah. Katie and I literally had this discussion yesterday. We're like, when is he going to break his first bone? Is it going to be tomorrow or is it going to be in five years? And it's like, well, if he's like me, he's going to get a bunch of head injuries and it's going to happen pretty soon. So
0: <laughs> I was that way too. I, I, you know, I had stitches here. I, I broke things. I was into skateboarding and. um I, I have to say that that's a really good plan because uh, I could have gone really the wrong way. But my dad and mom kind of just embraced that that's something I did, and they kind of I've told this story. They get into it. They got into it. They're like, "Okay, we can't fight it. Let's just embrace it." And um, and I think that that's a really important point. Like, let them jump off stuff. <laughs> teach them what teach them what it hurt feels like if you do it wrong. Like you know, experience works. So. Uh, do you have like a list of things like if I knew this before, this would have gone so much smoother if I knew how to do X, Y, and Z?
1: I don't think I can actually say that because it's one of those things that I literally had to go through to learn. I don't think I could have even read in a book or or something about what I went through with these twins at the beginning that could have prepared me because it would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like you you understand it conceptually, but like until you experience it you have you have no idea what what it actually is so I, I there's like little stuff that was a game changer with like products and stuff like that like yep. we had a twin pillow that was like a, a total game changer and little things like that the boppies actually josh sent me a bunch of them and he was like put one of these in every room of your every house every room that's yep and we did that. And that was, that was a game changer. So there's like little products down, and stuff right? like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can feed them in it. They can lay in it, but like until they get mobile, they, they can't really go anywhere. So it's like, it's perfect. So we had to have two in every room or yep. the twin, the twin pillow. So, um, a so little stuff like that. It's like helpful tools, but as far as experiential things like that, I don't think somebody could have told me. And I would have understood until I went through it. Yep.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, that was a game changer for us. I forget who told us, but it was like, have a baby station in every room so that all you're doing is moving the baby. And we did that and it was massive. And like, uh, Bender said, I told him <laughs> the same thing. It's, it's pretty much the only dad advice I give, um, besides, uh, listen to their cries because you really can't figure out what they're trying to tell you, which when I first heard that, I thought that's hokey, whatever, but nope, you can tell it's like dirty, uh bored, hungry, very, very clear we we still me and uh Kelly talk about it today, how we remember mowah, mowah that was hungry, you know and it wow. was super, super clear, well, I remember when you had these babies,
0: uh and I remember talking to either you or Josh, I think it was you, you bender and you said, oh, Josh sent me these. And I actually took really, I took note of that because I think as men, we're not super open to hearing um, like techniques and, and, you know, hints and tips, like the higher level things we, we want to know uh, logistics, like, right. And so like Josh was able to feed you and supply you with a logistical thing that was a game changer. And I think as men, it's really important that we do that. We understand how each of us needs. But on the other end, I want to talk about as you started to take these these two your two kids and Katie was going back to work and you're excuse the the verb, but you're dumping on her all of your emotional and stress and all these things, right? So why did you dump that stuff on her? I I know the answer, but
1: I was just at my wit's end, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I it was just vomiting of something. I just popped. Yeah. You know, And it, instead of, I'm not going to like do some violent thing, you know, like I, I punched a pillow. That was pretty bad. I threw a pillow across the room. I I wrecked a, I wrecked a trash can at one point. Right. But these are all like aggressive things that I'm doing in the other room because I don't want to show the babies that I'm angry at them. And, but I'm, I'm just boiling over because I'm, I'm awake and I'm not sleeping. And when you're not sleeping, obviously everything is worse. And, uh. But yeah, it's it was not the right decision. It was it was it was a rookie thing to do. You know what I mean? Like if I went through it again, I would probably change her name in my phone to do not send during that period, right? <laughs> and I and I could and if if I if I needed it for a therapeutic reason, I could just write it in a Google Doc and then read it the next morning and it would be pretty bad. Like I I nobody should have to see those things or or hear those things. But that should have just been locked away in my brain forever, but I shared it and I shouldn't have done it. And that was my biggest mistake.
2: <laughs> probably, probably not locked away in your brain. You know,
1: um, I was going to say, yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I had a buddy Rocco and um, you know, he was really there for us. And um, in, in he gave us a crib, you know, um, he talked to me all the time and everything. And like the big thing for me you know, that, that he said over and over again is like, you're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. You're going to get frustrated. And he told me, you know, straight up exactly what you did. He's like, walk out of the room and go scream into a pillow or hit it or do whatever you've got to do. Because he's like, you're not really angry at the kids. You're just angry about the situation and the lack of sleep and all of that. So I think that's something for us to, to let dads know, like, You know, maybe part of your dad kit should be a heavy bag, you know, or in in another room and then for moms too, you know, and, you know, um, being able to talk to him. So, like, I'm, I'm sad I didn't know that you're going through that. I feel like I could have talked to you, you know, and I,
1: I'm the, I'm, I don't share it though. You know what I mean? I'm just that kind of guy that during that, I don't want to show any of that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to keep it all bottled up and I'm not going to tell, I, I told my dad. You know what I mean? And like we we had, so I have a very twisted sense of humor. So hopefully this is not going to be taken the wrong way. But I told my dad at one point that I was going to invent a baby doll that was like a heavy bag so you could take it out back. And I thought that was hilarious at the time. Right. And now I'm like, man, that's really twisted. I don't want to produce that product. But (laughs) at the time it was the best idea in the world. I was going to make a 20 pound baby doll that I could just punch and kick. And it was like, it was going to be my therapy, but it's like, I didn't need it. It was like, but that it was that twisted and it was like kind of funny. But at the same time, if I had that thing, I would have probably used it. (laughs) So, but it was like, you just said, I wasn't actually mad at the babies. It was the situation in general. It was the complete, 180 that my life had taken and i was no longer it was no longer about me right and that it was just it was just a display of emotion because i'm processing the change and i i see that for what it is now but at the time you you just fight it because you're you're a dude
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i think i think what josh was saying is um is is pretty pivotal in a lot of men's lives like and this is no judgment on you because i think you did this probably with your dad but a lot of times like because we're so close and we're so intimate with our wives, they, we've become probably best friends. We spend the most time with them. They become where we, we kind of release some steam. And sometimes that's appropriate and sometimes it's completely inappropriate. I'm very, I'm very clear that I think very clear communication needs to happen. But when a man is problem solving, um, sometimes, uh, the release all comes at once like you did, right? Like you're like just unloading and I've done that too. But what I found is like for me, just really digging into being okay, sharing with, uh, for me, it's Josh and, and, and calling and saying, blah, you know, or, or this is where I'm really struggling, hang in there with me. I know it's stupid because then it's done, it's gone. And I think a lot of men really do struggle with that. You know, we're do du- we're dudes. We don't, don't do that, but but yeah that's that is hard when you're so frustrated, you don't know what to do and I've done even I'm telling you this does not go away with teenagers like you say things, I'll say something I'm like I can't do that in front of my kids, so I'll pull them aside that was stupid i'm I'm frustrated and blah blah blah, I'll talk through it, but um it doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't go away, so we have to have resources and tools uh, to take care of that so like what were some other things that you went through that? That really kind of changed your perspective, or you're kind of like Mr. Mom, really, for two days straight.
1: That's exactly the joke at the house. Is I am Mr. Mom, and you know, uh, we we joke that I'm watching Martha Stewart and making all the food and everything like that. But it's it's funny. But that's yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's 48 hours straight of being Mr. Mom, but it's fine. Um, I was actually excited for the summer, thinking back before COVID happened that I was going to get to take them and do stuff like go to the pool and go to the zoo and stuff like that. And I think the zoo opens this week. So that'll be fun because now they're old enough to like do stuff and I'm like pumped. I can't wait until they can hold a a fly rod. We're not quite there yet, but they're interested in things now. So it's like, it's totally different. Whereas this time last year, it's a lump on the couch that you just got to feed and and clean up your poop right but now they want to do stuff and they want to explore stuff and even if i just walk them around the neighborhood last time katie was on shift i did uh over an hour walk with them around the neighborhood and they just love looking at everything so i'll stop and let them play in the grass and stuff like that and it's uh it's just completely different it's so much more fun now than it was and they they're toddlers so they're tough but it's more like my kind of tough because it's like you know this is this is more in my wheelhouse like (laughs) this this age so
0: as a professional, how do you manage having 48 hours? Uh, and and like, I don't know if you turn work off or like, how do you manage that?
1: I, I don't, but I have certain things that I know that need to happen during those days. So um, I'll start my day at 4am. I still have a morning routine, but the morning routine is cut a little shorter on those days. And I will crank out essentially all the things that I need to get done before they wake up in the morning. And then uh, I do have the nap times. So that'll be for a workout or something else, but I'm not, I'm not taking calls and stuff like that unless it is during nap time or I have daycare. It's all proactive work, but I plan that ahead of time. And it's in my calendar, which makes no sense to anybody outside of it. There's like, well, he's not available on this day, but he is on this day. But to me it makes a whole lot of sense because it's just constantly rotating. Um, and then those to me are more like days off. So if I have to fill it, I'll, you know, I'll work on the weekend and it'll just be a full weekend day if I need to make it happen. That's fine. Um, but I I still need to balance it because I want to spend time with Katie and the family. So I don't want to just work the whole four day. So if you look at my schedule, it's it's weird, but there's time that's dedicated just for family time.
0: Yeah. No, that, and that's not weird. I mean, I don't know if that's what you're saying it was weird. That's really important. Like blocking out certain things that you really just need to do. Um, yeah. what, if, what about, like, I, I know the answer to this, but have you done anything as far as lifestyle engineering so that you have the freedom to choose when you're working and not? Because you told me you owned a business. And typically when you own a business, like a brick and mortar business, you are kind of tied to it for a while at least.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um. My fitness business that was brick and mortar, our lease ended in March and our, our landlord essentially only would offer a long-term deal. And I just said, no. So we just pulled out and didn't renew the lease. And so I, have, I moved most of my group members onto a fully virtual online platform. And now uh, I made the cheapest price no coaching essentially so it's awesome i don't i don't have to touch it at all and then um i do i do custom custom training and then i can completely design when when i do everything so for my virtual thing one day a week i'm just shooting videos and i'm uploading all the stuff into my virtual platform and then another day a week i'm only focusing on my custom program design clients and then i i I do a lot of stuff, but then uh, throughout the week I have my other projects that are, that are filling
0: in. Yeah. So, so you have done lifestyle engineering. You, you, you change the model of your business to fit.
1: Um, totally. And now it's like, it's, it's running so well that I'm, I'm looking into new things and it's, and it's awesome because I actually have time to do it. I've actually, after I sold all the gym equipment and stuff like that, and I'm free of the physical location, I've slept better than I have since before the babies. born. Awesome. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. So I, it's, I'm not saying it's fully figured out. I'm not making billions of dollars or anything, but I'm on the path to that lifestyle design that I actually want to get to. And it's cool because I, I can taste it. And now it's like, I just got to keep doing the right things in the right buckets. And that's going to get there, you know, where I didn't feel like this uh, two years ago, you know, cause it was just, it, Katie and I, we, we've been talking about this a lot. Like every time I would leave town, the gym, even though I thought I had all my stuff together, something would inevitably go wrong. The toilet would break or somebody wouldn't show up for the 5am class. And even though I had layers in place, it's still ultimately, I'm getting a phone call on vacation, right? So now that everything is online, Uh, And I don't deal with people that need to call nine one one like Katie does. There really are no emergencies. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah, that's that's
0: incredible. So I want to I want to wrap up. Josh sent you. I think you said called them boppies, right? Like so, he gave you some sort of tip or dad hack. Let's call it a dad hack um, that was very beneficial. Give our listeners who have babies coming up, if there are any, (laughs) give them your best dad hack
1: uh like a product anything or anything well i did love the boppies those were great um man take care of mom is number one for sure but that's kind of obvious
0: no it's not <laughs> um most men nail that's so good job
1: take care of mom uh the for us the scheduling just worked so well because it was twins i know it's debatable but i would just do it um the book is called baby wise. I would just read it and implement it. And actually here's the, here's the biggest hack. This is in the, in the ilk of the uh, schedule. It's not just for naps. We actually worked with a sleep coach to help to get our babies on track. And we did zoom calls with her and she outlined all all the stuff. It's being consistent every single night with what you're going to do with every little thing that you can think of. So with us, the lights were out, we turned on the noise machine and then we read the story and the story doesn't have to be the same. Uh, go the F to sleep was my favorite, but you know, you're going to find yours. Um, and my dad actually, he babysat one night and read that and he lost it laughing. If you've ever heard of it, Google it. And then on YouTube, you can hear Samuel L Jackson reading it it's the best thing ever. Um, but, but that, uh, that consistency is the biggest thing ever. All the tools and everything are going to help you. But if you can be consistent with what you're doing with them, it's just going to get them on track that much faster. So, you know,
0: yeah, you just brought back like a massive memory for me because we, we followed baby wise. I can recite good night moon, the entire book to this day because we did it with both kids. That was the, we're going to sleep. Um, it, It was magic. I mean, literally once that was established, it was gold. So you're going to be able to recite that if you can't already without reading. So thanks, man.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank
0: you so much for joining us on the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, I need you to do two things, just two things It'll take you five minutes. I want you to subscribe to our podcast because if you enjoyed this episode you'll definitely enjoy the episodes coming up and then I would encourage you to go back and listen to any episodes you haven't It's uh, there's a lot of really great parenting and life lessons told through the eyes of men with children and if you haven't done so already go to our Facebook page The Brotherhood of Fatherhood and subscribe uh, even better you can go to our fifth Brotherhood group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group if you're a man and join that group and join in on tons of conversations about what it takes to be a better dad, Uh, advice on situations that a lot of fathers come upon, conversations, celebrations, and basically just coming together as a brotherhood and uh, helping each other be better fathers. Uh, Some other things that you should know about We offer coaching for men who don't want to be shitty fathers. And so if you feel like you are failing or you don't want to fail in your marriage or in your uh, parenting skills or life in general, we have the answers for you. Yes, we have the answers for you. This is a proven system to help you achieve greatness in being a father and a husband and a community leader. Again, that's the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. If you have questions about our coaching service, you can reach out to Josh or I. Um, it's scott at brotherhoodfatherhood.com. There is no of in there. It's just brotherhoodfatherhood.com or josh at brotherhoodfatherhood.com or of course you can reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you and we would love to have a chat with you and see if there's something that we can help you with. Thanks again for joining our podcast. Have a great week.